0: Let me ask you, are you a worry wart? Are you a worry wart? Webster's Dictionary defines a worry wart as one who is inclined to worry unduly. One lady said that she was worried because she was not worried. Now, that's a worry wart. Are you someone who looks for something to worry about, such as the woman that had convinced herself that she had an incurable liver condition and was worrying herself sick about it. She finally went to the doctor, and after tests were run, the doctor said that she had nothing to worry about. Anyway, the doctor said, you wouldn't know if you had this condition because it causes no discomfort of any kind. The lady replied, oh my goodness, those are my symptoms exactly. That, my friend, is indeed a worry word. This past week I went to the internet and typed in the words, what are we worried about? And I was amazed at the number of things I came across that people are worried about. For instance, and this is just a small snippet, for instance, I found web pages that dealt with such things as our worry over the U.S. deficit, worries over the ozone layer and global warming, worries over air quality and water purity, worries about the state of our education system, worries about aging. Worries about credit fraud. Worries about road rage. Worries about national ID cards. Worries about soil erosion. And I even found one page that spoke of worrying about deformed frogs. I kid you not. You name it. And if you don't worry about it, we'll find somebody who is worrying about it. Yet I think of what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit? unto His stature. The words translated taking thought there speak of worrying about things. That's the idea of those words, taking thought. It means to worry about things. Jesus said that worrying never added an inch to our height. Or to put it another way, Jesus was saying that all our worrying never really helped a thing. Someone has said that worrying is like rocking in a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. There's an Italian proverb that says this, A hundred years of worry will not pay a farthing worth of debt. As we continue looking at Psalm 23, we are reminded that worry is not only useless, but it's also needless. It's pointless. We talk about things that are fat-free, interest-free, sugar-free, and cholesterol-free, but verse, thir- v- verse 2 of Psalm 23 tells us that we can live life worry Notice the words of verse two. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. We're going to focus on the first half of that verse, and that that first part that says He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. This verse tells us how to face the days that are ahead, whatever they bring. You know, whatever happens in Iran, whatever happens in the economy, whatever happens with, with the housing market, and and uh, foreclose. Whatever happens in any area of your life, this verse tells us how to face them all The first thing I want you to consider with me is the depiction of a restful life. The position of the sheep in verse 2 is very enlightening. When you think about what David says here, remember, David was a shepherd. So he has some idea about how sheep behave. And he understands what it means to be a shepherd. And so... David here describes a flock of sheep lying in a green pasture, and to the shepherd's mind, and much of Israel at least had knowledge of shepherding, if not not actually being shepherds. And so to those who heard Psalm 23 and to David's mind, that meant something, when he described this flock of sheep lying in green pastures. Philip Keller, in his book, his commentary on Psalm 23, makes an interesting observation about sheep. This is what he writes. The strange thing about sheep is that because of their makeup, it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. So these sheep are lying down, David says. That means that four requirements, in the sheep's mind anyways, have been met. First of all, sheep will not lie down unless they are free uh, from fear. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. Second, because of their social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. In other words, they can't feel like they're being crowded or annoyed or something. They, they, they're not going to lie down. Third, if tormented by, flea, by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of these pests can they relax. And lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. For sheep to lie down, everything must be right. No predators to frighten them. No bugs in the air to aggravate them. No empty stomachs. Everything has to be just so. When we look at sheep lying in green pastures, we see sheep that are undisturbed by the things that would normally disturb them. picture of sheep lying there with their four legs folded under them, nestled in the green grass of the pasture, seemingly without a care in the world. These sheep are a picture of a worry-free life. Now let me enlarge upon this picture for just a moment. First, we see the sheep undisturbed by the perplexities of life. There are many things that can agitate the sheep and thereby make them restless. There are wild dogs, cougars, bears, and other wild prey that stalk and hunt them. There are also the insects and little pests that make them restless and agitated. When you look at the sheep described in our text, we see sheep undisturbed by these things. For the believer, there are the things in life that worry us. There are the things that distress, disturb, discomfort, dishearten, and maybe dismay us. Life is not without the things that both aggravate and agitate. I call these things the perplexities of life. These are the things that cause us to worry. We worry about how we're going to make ends meet. We worry about the house payment and the car payment coming due. We worry about how to pay the electric bill. We worry if our job is going to... Is going to keep going, or we might get laid off or terminated. We worry about the children. We worry about our health. We worry about how we're going to do this and how we're going to get that done. The list of things that cause us to worry is not a small list. Please understand that this picture of the sheep lying in green pastures is not one that suggests that all things that could cause them to worry have been eliminated or removed. Not at all. The wild dogs and bears are still out there somewhere. No, these dangers still exist to the sheep. The bugs and flies that worry them have not been put on the endangered species list. Those distressing little creatures still exist. However, in this scene, the sheep are not worried about these things. They are of no concern to them at this moment. The word green pastures literally speak of pastures of tender grass. That's the idea. Pastures of tender grass. It speaks of the young grasses, the sweet grasses, the first shoots of vegetation. In David's time, there were not rolling fields of green pastures or grassy prairies stretching as far as the eye could see. David's years as a shepherd would have seen him caring for a flock in the Judean foothills, in the Judean wilderness. Largely a very dry and barren place. Here and there, you would find these patches and areas of green grass. So get that picture in your mind. The shepherd has led them to some shady spot where the tender shoots of grass are springing up. The sheep lie there, contented, worry-free. Yet around them is a parched and barren land. But are the sheep affected by the conditions around them? Absolutely not. Their shepherd has brought them to the green pastures and there they lie undisturbed by the conditions around them. Are there no no wild dogs? No mountain lions? No cougars? no, No animals? No, they're still there. They're just not worried about it. A worry-free life does not mean that we have nothing to worry about. It does not mean that all things that cause us to worry have been eliminated or escaped our life somehow. By no means does this verse suggest such a thing. There is much that we go through that we could worry about. A worry-free life means that we are not disturbed by the conditions and situations around us. They do not fill our life with anxiety and distress. A worry-free life is one that in spite of what is going on around us, we are at rest. We are at rest. Instead of chewing our fingernails, we are munching on green grass. Our perplexity is not causing us worry. Not causing us anxiety. Furthermore, we see in this picture sheep that are undisturbed by the possibilities of life. If most of us are honest, we would admit that most of our worries are about things that are yet to come or about things that may happen. You see, tomorrow is the key word in most of our worries. Tomorrow. The story is told about the New Testament scholar Archbishop Trench and how at some point in his life he became became possessed with the fear that the limbs of his body were going to lose all their feeling. He constantly worried about it. One night, he was sitting at an elaborate state dinner when all of a sudden he blurted out, Oh, it's finally happened! I haven't got a bit of feeling in my right leg! The lady sitting next to him said, Your grace, if it will be any comfort to you, it's my leg you're pinching. I read of a study done by Margaret P. McCordy of the University of Wisconsin. She found that 40% of the things we worry about never even happen. 30% of our worrying is about things over and past that could not be changed by all the worry in the world. 10% of our worries are petty worries, and 12% are needless health worries. She stated that only 8% of the things we worry about are real, legitimate worries. Only 8%. Someone has said that worry is the interest we pay on our trouble before it comes. I have met and known a few people that were paying astronomical interest rates on future troubles that might not even come. The simple truth is most of what we worry about is without any cause. When you look at these sheep lying in green pastures, there are many dangers they could face. There are all kinds of situations they could find themselves in in the days to come. The possibilities of the dangers and the threats that they face are numerous, but do you see them worried about what could happen tomorrow or the next week? They're undisturbed by the possibilities of life. It is impossible to correctly predict what the days ahead have in store for us. You know, I can see that MO life. You probably can too. How your life, you know, you thought it was going to unfold this way. You thought this or that was going to happen and it never happened or it went some completely different direction. And yet we worry about tomorrow and the next day as if somehow that worrying fixes something or caused the outcome to take a certain direction. Corey Ten Boom said, When we worry, we are carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days in one. We do not know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow, as it's been aptly said. Therefore, we don't have to worry about the possibilities of tomorrow, the possibilities of life, or what it will bring in the days ahead. I want you to notice with me, secondly, the deliverance from a fretful life. Fretful meaning anxious or worrisome. When we look at these sheep lying in green pastures, it is obvious they have been delivered from a life of worry. They are restful. Not threatful. However, did you know that's not the nature of sheep? What David here is is portraying is not in the nature of sheep. I've already told you how hard it is to get them to be fearful, fearless enough, and relaxed enough to lie down. But it's not even in their nature to be fearless or without fear. Here they are restful, not fretful, but it's not in their nature. Philip Keller writes. It is not generally known that sheep are so timid and easily panicked that even a stray jackrabbit suddenly bouncing from behind a bush can stampede a whole flock. We are a lot like sheep. It doesn't take too much to cause us to worry and become concerned. We tend to live a worry-filled life rather than a worry-free life. I think of Sir Walter Scott. He incurred a debt at one time of 120,000 pounds an extremely large sum in those days. He heroically disposed of the debt, but it was not without great cost to him mentally, emotionally, and physically. He worried so much about the debt that it broke his health and led to his death. His doctor said to him one day, Sir Walter, if you do not cease worrying, you will die. Scott looked up with a sad smile and said, Doctor, as long as that debt is hanging over my head, I cannot help but worry. I know the worrying is killing me, but you might as well go and tell my cook to order the water in the kettle to not boil as to command my brain not to worry. I've heard of worrying being described as a silent killer. A fretful life, a worry-filled life, affects us in many, many ways. For example, studies have found that worry is very damaging to our health. Dr. Charles Mayo said... Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. Dr. Alexis Carell gave this warning. Those who do not know how to fight worry, die young. Dr. Dorothy McCoy, in an article entitled Keeping Worry Under Control, describes how when we worry, our body starts pumping out an array of chemicals that cause a variety of psychological reactions. She describes how chronic worrying can negatively affect our whole body. It can increase the risk of heart attack and stroke by by raising blood pressure and increasing blood clotting, as well as prompting the liver to produce more cholesterol. Worry increases muscle tension, which can give rise to headaches, back pain, and other body aches. It can also trigger an increase in stomach acid, which leads to, to several different kinds of stomach disorders. She even states that growing evidence suggests that chronic worry can compromise our immune systems, making us more vulnerable to bacteria, viruses, and even perhaps cancers. Worry affects us physically, but it affects us emotionally as well, and mentally, and even spiritually. Therefore, it is understandable that we that when we look at what God says in His Word, we see the presence of worry condemned. The presence of worry is condemned in Scripture. Jesus said in Matthew 6.25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your life, Jesus says. The words or the phrase, take no thought, tell us not to worry. Jesus was condemning the presence of worry in our lives. Listen carefully to to the words of Herbert Lockyer. When a Christian worries, he is living in the wrong climate for any kind of worry is foreign to his life in Christ. William G. Channing is even more condemning of worry in when he says, Worry is entirely unscriptural. As Christians, we have taken the precepts of the Scripture for our standard of living. We look upon the Bible as our final court of appeals in all our life's details. Who can deny that within its pages no warrant is found for worrying? O.S. Hawkins was straightforward when he wrote, many of us assume that God merely looks upon worry with a frown, but the fact is He strictly forbids it in His words. In short, our worry is wrong. It is condemned by God. When you consider the effects of worries, it is understandable. But when you think about what it really implies, it is spiritually unacceptable because it implies somehow that God is not in control or that God is not looking out for our best interests. Since the presence of worry is condemned, then we should understand that the absence of worry is commanded. Listen to what Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. The words, be careful for nothing, are a command not to worry. Let me put it this way. We are to be like sheep lying in green pastures. We are not to worry. When we look at the sheep lying in green pastures, we see them delivered from a fretful life, a worry-filled life. And what is the secret to their worry-free life? We'll see if we can come up with a couple of answers. Notice with me, lastly, number three, the demand for a trustful life. How do we keep from worrying or how do we stop worrying? You could do like the owner of a small business who worried so much that he, that he ran an advertisement in the paper to hire someone to do his worrying for him. A young man fresh out of college applied, and in the interview he was told the job paid 200000 per year. Being this was a small business, the young man looked at the owner and asked, where are you going to get 200000 a year to pay me? The owner replied, that's your first worry. Why were these sheep lying in green pastures? Listen to Psalm 23, verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The tranquil conditions of the sheep were all the shepherds doing. It was all the shepherds doing. You know, sheep are defenseless. They cannot protect themselves. They are unlike virtually any other animal. When attacked, Mules can kick. Dogs will growl and bite. Bears will caw and bite. Goats will gore. Bulls will charge. Bees will sting. Birds will flap. And snakes will bite. But sheep are absolutely defenseless. They cannot defend themselves. Furthermore, sheep are directionless. Sheep have no sense of direction. Pigeons and other migratory birds have their own built-in radar system. You can take an old cat and drop him off in the next county in a few days or weeks. That cat will probably show up at your door curry. purring. But a sheep could get lost in the back end of a pickup truck. To put it very simply, sheep are just plain, downright dumb. Because of the kind of creature they are, there would never be a worry-free moment if it were not for their shepherd. It is the shepherd that makes them lie down in green pastures. He is the one who is responsible for the conditions in which they are undisturbed. All the sheep can do is trust their shepherd. That's all they can do. When it comes to living a worry-free life versus a worry-filled life, the secret is putting our trust in our shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our journey from earth to glory, as we face the days that are ahead, we can trust in the shepherd's presence. The presence of the shepherd is why they felt free of worry. It is He, it is He that makes uh, uh, them to lie down. The shepherd is always at the side of the sheep. We know that the Lord is always with us. He will always be there. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always present with us. Just like the shepherd was always with the sheep, the Lord is always with you. Everywhere you go, He is with you. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the Lord speaking. That's His promise to you, His sheep. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Furthermore, we can trust in the shepherd's plan. We can trust in His presence. He's with us, there to defend us, to care for us, to watch over us. Second of all, we we can count on and depend on the shepherd's plan. We can count on His plan to bring us into green pastures. To bring us into green pastures as a part of His plan for our lives. He may, he may take us down one path and then down another, but we can rest assured that He knows what He is doing and He knows where He is going. The way may twist and turn. It may have some blind curves to it, but the shepherd always has the care of his sheep on His heart and mind. We may cross the hill or go through the valley, but His plan always includes our welfare. I love this verse. I quote it frequently. It makes a point so well. Jeremiah 29.11 For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. This verse establishes two great truths that we can rely on and find strength and comfort in. First, God wants to bless us with good things. saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. He wants to give you good things. He wants to bless you. And second, this verse establishes that He has a plan for your life. To give you an expected end. He has a plan for your life. Regardless of what the days ahead may bring, we know that they are a part of God's plan for our life. They are part of His plan for our life. And lastly, we can trust in the shepherd's provision. We see He will see to it that there are green pastures to lie down. No shepherd would ever dream of letting his sheep starve. Our Lord will take care of us. Understanding all this, why should we worry? With a shepherd that is always with us, leading us through life and meeting our every need, we ought to be able to say, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. A worry-free life is much better than a worry-filled life. Now, if you don't know the shepherd, then you ought to have a worry-filled life. But if the Lord is your shepherd, you need not worry or fear. Jesus said in John 10.27, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. Is the Lord your shepherd? If the Lord is your shepherd, there's the basis of not worrying. And notice the second part. Are you following Him? My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. Are you following Him? The only two reasons to worry in this life, there are only two, only two reasons to worry. If you don't have a relationship with the shepherd, you ought to be worried. Or, if you're not following Him, and therefore you're out of His will, you ought to be worried. Do you know the shepherd? And are you following Him?